and that's doing its thing as well. Bill's cool. always good with the record questions. So, uh, Bill, do you want to start? I just told you that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm exhausted today. I've got no questions. But <laughs> um, I don't know. Let's, let's start. So, uh, for those of you that don't know um, and you haven't read the link in the video, uh, Alan Manganello, uh, third degree professor under some of the best instructors of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the world. So we've got a special treat for everybody tonight. Um, he can do a much better uh, intro than I can. Um, but yeah, privileged to, to get some time with, with you tonight, Alan. Thank you. Man, it's so honored to be here. How are you, uh, how are you coping in these uh, strange times? Fantastic. I mean, I think these are great times, to be honest with you. You know, it's all good. Everything's great. Anything, uh, so anything changed for you? You're, 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 you're what we would consider a key worker. So I guess you're out and about every day, carrying on almost as normal, right? Right. Um, yeah, my academy, we had to close our Jiu-Jitsu Academy down. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Louisville closed down March 16th. So we haven't had any classes in the academy since then, unfortunately. But, um, you know, we're still, still connecting with the students and still doing Zoom classes and, and things like that and still interacting with our students there. But as far as my, um, my other job, my other career. Uh, I'm an instructor in the police academy. So I teach people how to be a police officer, basically how to, you know, I teach recruits. It's a six month academy, basically from start to finish. So we're still going with that right now, but we're limited as to what we can do. So it's been challenging because um, it's, it's a 27 week course and we're in week 10 right now. And this week was the first week we've been out of the classroom. And it's very difficult to teach someone how to be a police officer through PowerPoint. And in a classroom setting, you know, you have to get out there. And we're not allowed to do any hands-on stuff. So we're supposed to be doing the defensive tactics portion. The Gracie survival tactics is our curriculum for law enforcement. And um, we usually do that around week six. So we're in week 10 right now. We have done no defensive tactics, no handcuffing, no patting people down, nothing. So it's, it's been very challenging. We have to do a lot of scheduling, rearranging, trying to make things happen. But, you know, it, it's working. Everything's working. And uh, we'll get back to it here in no time. And we'll get everybody the skills they need. So as far as that goes, I'm still working every day. Still doing my, my normal thing. I work 7.30 in the morning till, or half seven, as you say in England, right? Yeah. Till, till uh, five o'clock at night and then um, come home and get going on some stuff and wake up and do the same thing the next day. So bit, uh, some similar things there that you just said. I mean, uh, Pete, I don't know when the last time you left the house was, right? Every time I've seen him, he's been in that room. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm in my I'm in my spare room like about 17 hours a week, either yeah, with our classes on Zoom or personal training over Zoom or yeah, I don't leave the house much. <laughs> uh, looking forward to getting back on the mats. What, uh, what what are you missing the most about classes, Alan? The probably thing I'm most is just seeing people and talking to everybody on a regular basis, you know. Um, and, and, the, and the connection with the students, not just mental connection, but the physical connection. You know, I wanna, we do some Zoom classes and things, and, I'll, and I'm watching everybody do their techniques and practicing, and I want to go in there and adjust their hand or their foot a certain way, and I, I can't do that, you know, and, and I miss that. I miss feeling the person's question, if they have a question on how to escape the mount or something, you know, hey, well, here, go ahead and get mounted on me. Let me feel what you're talking about. And I, I can, you know, I teach so much by feel as well as um, just visual instruction and verbal instruction that I missed, I missed that part of it. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 we're doing a lot, you know, videos and, and, and like you say, over the, over the screens, but I, you know, I wonder whether or not that fear eroded, you know, whether that, that, 
that natural reaction to, to being able to respond to what people are doing, whether that will just vanish over time. Because it's what, it's been four weeks now. There's an, there's an element that we don't get to use right now, but that'll come right back in. It's like riding a bike. You know, once you learn how to ride a bike, you, you stay off it for a long time. You're not as comfortable once you get back on it, but it, does, it takes no time to get right back on it again. Everybody's gonna be fine. It's gonna be great. Pete's gonna say something. <laughs> <laughs> when you said riding the bike, we've to, we to, we told you the Robin learning, a, learning to ride a bike story. Have you heard, have you heard that? Do this. Oh, here we go. Firing mind. <laughs> Oh, you've got to tell the story. You've got to tell it now. You've got to tell it now. <laughs> it took me ages to learn how to ride a bike. So I used to have to do an even number of left and right pedals. So if I didn't, if I didn't do an even number of pedals, I kind of prefer to get, try and get the last pedal in rather than not fall off. Rather than break, than break and stop. <laughs> yeah. And I preferably like to do fours. <laughs> I don't really like to do as much as fours. Just had to keep going around the block time and time again until it landed on the right one by his door. I love it. Yeah. So as long as it's easier, that, yeah, as long as remembering jiu-jitsu is easier than learning, a, learning to ride a bike, we'll be fine. Yeah, we'll be back on the mat soon. No, no fear, no fear. So you said with the, uh, with the police academy and the training that you're doing, there's no hands-on at all there either. So it's uh, no touch. Right, we have to stay six feet apart. We've got to split the class in half so we can teach half at a time. And um, it's, it's been very challenging. You know, these are very challenging times. But you know what? I mean, that's the thing is, is we, we like a challenge. I, I like problem solving. So if you give me a problem, I'm going to try to solve it and see what we can come up with. You know, find another way to train. It's not ideal. I mean, obviously, if we can do it the way we'd, we'd rather do it, it's, that's the most efficient and best way. But if we can't do that, instead of closing down, we're the only, we're actually the only police academy in our state, in the state of Kentucky, that's not closed down. We're the only yeah. police academy that's still running. Everybody else is just caused. And um, they've, they've, uh, they're not teaching right now. So since we're able to, we're doing everything we can to keep the academy running and let's, let's see what else we can do. How creative can we get to still get the information out in a manner where that's gonna, they're gonna remember it, retain it, and actually be useful, yet still maintain the social distancing guidelines, you know, so. It's a little challenging, but we're making it happen. Uh, saw the videos on social media of you giving out the, the belts on the doorsteps uh, just recently. Was that first time you've ever done that outside of the academy? First time ever. That's right. We decided, you know, we had some people that tested right before the quarantine happened. And, uh, you know, we were hoping, obviously, it was only going to be a week or two initially. Obviously, that didn't happen that way. Now, like, these people can't wait forever for the results of their test. We have to be able to promote these people. Number one, because they want to know, but two, it, it, it gives them access to new material once you pass. And um, so we decided to head out to their house and, you know, promote them um, in that way. So we have a couple other people, too, that are, need to get promoted, but they're, they live hours and hours away from us, so we can't make the trip, you know. But they're, they're, they're pretty fun to do. It seemed like it was pretty popular, too. A lot of people, a lot of people um, you know, interacted on that one, so it's pretty fun. Yeah, you can knock on my door and promote me anytime, Alan. That's, that's, that's allowed. That's fine. When tickets are cheap right now, let me tell you. <laughs> I don't even know if the planes are flying, but yeah. So uh, what other creative things have you uh, been getting up to? You mentioned the Zoom classes. Any, anything else? As far as what? Uh, just creative ways of, uh, of getting together with the students. Um, no, we, just pretty much the Zoom classes right now. Just send out emails, social media, of course. You know, just trying to stay connected that way. 
Um, but you know, not, not a whole lot yet. There's only so much you can do, obviously. We were going to teach private classes for a little bit there too, but you know, obviously we, we're, not, we're not able to do that at the moment. We're going to have to, we have to put a hold on those as well. well you've, got, you've got a lovely facility there in your basement there, Adam. I have a what? Lovely facility in your basement. This is my, um, man, this room is pretty cool because um, it uh, used to be a Model T garage when I first bought, I guess when, I bought, when they built the house in 1922, they built this house. It used to be a garage and then the, the people who owned the house before me turned it into a family room. And then when I bought it, I gutted it and um, put up the boards and stained them and put some uh, zebra mats down so it's all matted. And uh, so we teach private classes out here. I train down here every day. And uh, yeah, this is my, this is my little dojo at home. Nice. Do you think, like we were talking, well, we kind of mentioned it the other day and some of the parents kind of mentioned it almost like joking, but I'm not sure they were like saying that they almost wanted us to keep a, an online, like that kind of Zoom class element. Um, like even when things get back to normal again. What was it that they liked about it? What is it, what is it that, that they, they prefer? I don't know. We need to drill into it a little bit more, but I think they like the, um, what we've noticed is that it means the parents are connecting with the kids loads more. So they're being the body for the kid, like every, every session, every day. And so they're, you know, drilling with their kids twice a week and connecting with. So I think um, maybe a bigger push from us when we get back to whatever normal is to getting the parents on the map with the kids more, maybe as part of the classes. Um, Cause I think they're going to miss that if they're not doing that. Yes, I think I think you have a point there, and I think it would be a great supplement to do. You know, maybe add one Zoom. You know, just have your normal classes during the the week, and then maybe have like one Zoom class a week for certain age groups or whatever, just so they can connect and make that as an additional, um, it's an additional charge or additional bonus for for that. They they have an opportunity to do, it, but they're not committed to it either, and uh, it'd be a good incentive, you know, too, so that way parents can get you know be involved with their kids as much as they can for sure. Yeah. Now it's been good, that isn't it? It's been, it's been like a an unexpected success. Right, right. I agree. And you know, the good thing is, you know, we have Grace University. So Grace University, everything is already online. It shows you how to be a parent and work with the kids um, in the bullyproof program and whatnot. But what's what the neat element about the Zoom is the fact that they're actually seeing our faces too. It's not just Heater and Henner, and it's actually the students that are in their class. They're, just, they're getting to connect live time with their friends from class and all that as well. So even though, my, my point is, even though we have Grace University where the, the, the classes are online and the parents can work with their kids, there's something to be said about hearing your instructor's voice and seeing the same, you know, the people that they usually see on a regular basis in there. And that's, I think that's, I think that's great, you know, for retention and great for um, just, just for the culture of your academy, you know, to keep them close knit. So yeah. I'd be less worried about the students that have been around for kind of a year or more. Um, but it's, it, you know, the, the, the people that I like to try and get some advice for are those students that are maybe a little bit more new. So, um, I don't know, two months into their journey or less or you know, four months in and maybe, you know, haven't been bitten by the bug. Um, so, I mean, I mean, what advice would you give to them, Alan? What, you know, tell them the benefits of jujitsu <laughs> like it well, needs to be told. But yeah. Right. So, you know, the, the thing, the thing about, the thing about jujitsu, especially for kids, depending on the age group, you know, is um, we, we play jujitsu, even adults play jujitsu. You know, when we go to class, we're there to have fun, have a good time when we're playing. We take it seriously. We understand the serious, 
ramifications of, of the different techniques and, and the situations that we're in. We understand that, of course. But kids like to play. So once this is all over, we go back to the class. We have a new set of games we can play, new set, new way of doing jujitsu. Sure oh, Siri's talking to me now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the uh, students that are two months in say. I'm not sure <laughs> I understand. So they, um, you're going to be able to introduce them to new ways. They can still do the same things they were doing before, but just in a different environment with other friends and different drills that they couldn't do before. So it's the same thing, but just a different way to do it, a different flavor. Just like the Zoom is something new for some of our older students that have never done this before. So you just stay a keep a positive attitude and just encourage them to come to class because you're going to be able to do things obviously in class with 10, 12, 15 other kids that you can't do at home on your computer screen. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. <clears throat> yeah. So um, I think Robin and Pete were uh, talking about potential dates for you to be over in the UK next. Yeah, that, that kind of went, uh, went south very quickly. <laughs> June, I don't even remember the dates off the top of my head. Um, but I guess we're just waiting to see. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if everything's going to be opened up by then or not. It's not looking real promising at the moment. Nah. Oh, but, uh, um, did you have any thoughts? Uh, maybe I'm getting a spoiler here, but had you had any thoughts about what, what might be the topic of uh, any seminar already or, or not? Yeah, actually, um, I was thinking about teaching a, sh a street um, shirt choke seminar. How to use a t-shirt and a hoodie to be able to learn different chokes on somebody um, and show you all kinds of new chokes and dealing with somebody has a hoodie on like you have on Bill or somebody has just a t-shirt or long sleeve shirt like you guys have on right there. And um, there's all kinds of, of neat chokes that you don't, that don't even exist with a gi. They only exist with t-shirts and hoodies. So pretty neat. So I was thinking about, I was thinking about maybe showing that one. I, I look forward to that, that next visit very much. I think that's going to be great. That'd <clears throat> be a good one. If we don't do it in the June, then we'll, you know, even if it's in the fall, it'll even make more sense because that's when everybody's wearing hoodies and stuff. Yeah, we'll be getting, breaking out the hoods even more. Yeah, so some techniques have, um, you use the hoodie and then some techniques you use, you use just a t-shirt. So they get a little bit of both, really. So you get summer and fall, we don't discriminate. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Bit of a switch gear, but I think um, obviously a lot of our guys will be listening um, or watch a few are watching live on YouTube and then loads of them have been catching it sort of the next day. We've been talking loads over our like, got a WhatsApp group for the, for the adults and stuff. I'm talking loads about um, fundamentals and like, um, yeah, just talking about the fundamentals and the importance of the fundamentals and when should you start looking at, for want of a better term, more complex stuff or different stuff um, on top of the curriculum. And I know obviously with Grace University, they've got the combatives and we teach, uh, you know, a lot of those same techniques in our fundamentals classes and, and stuff like that. But how would you explain it? So we've explained it loads of different ways, but how would you explain it to the people that are kind of, again, the kind of the newer guys on sort of the importance of the fundamentals and how that helps you sort of build later on? Right. So it, there's, it's two points to that. Number one, what's the main reason that jujitsu is even developed? What's the main reason that, that we're trying to learn jujitsu? Self-defense. Self-defense first. Okay. So you need to know which techniques are applicable for self-defense and which ones aren't so, aren't so great for self-defense. And then what that boils down to is who are you defending yourself against? If you were to walk out in the street 
if I were to stop a hundred cars driving down the street right here and challenge the driver, each driver to those hundred cars to a fight, which I don't advocate, but if you were to challenge each driver to a fight, what are the chances of them having any kind of formal training? Very little. So most people that we have to defend ourselves against are just somebody that has no training. They're just the untrained person. And research has shown that when people get into a fight that are untrained, that they respond in certain ways. There are certain things they do on a regular basis, headlocks, punch, tackle, things like that. And, um, and, then, once, and then once the fight goes to the ground, there's certain things they're going to try to do. They're going to try to punch you in the face. They'll try to strangle you. They'll try to do, um, use your body weight against you, you know, be very aggressive. These are things that happen on a regular basis, no matter what, the common thread. So you need to know which techniques are going to defend you against these most common attacks. Now, the fundamentals, combatives in our academy, you need to be able to understand those techniques and get those down first to be able to defend yourself before we can even go anywhere else. Okay, because that's what you have to know first. So we, we teach the techniques in a way to where um, the bad guy is giving these specific indicators that you can expect from someone on the street that's untrained. And then the good guy is gonna be doing the techniques over and over on a regular basis to where you don't even have to think about it anymore. As soon as somebody grabs your neck, you're gonna do a certain move, you're on autopilot. Once you show you have a proficiency of these techniques, you've technically graduated from the combatives program or from the fundamentals program. Now you've earned the right to start learning more and more techniques because there are other things that somebody can do to you on the street. And more and more people are starting to learn martial arts and jujitsu specifically. So you have a chance of running into that person who might know something. And therefore you want to know well, what if the guy knows some jujitsu, what if he knows this? And those are very valid questions. And we answer all those questions because you have to know those. But the first thing is, let's defend ourselves against the most common attack first, and then we can start showing you how to do more things. Because the more advanced things are still based on the same exact principles that the fundamentals are based on. So you have to learn a basic technique and understand the fundamentals. The Gracie fight philosophy, for instance. You have to understand the Gracie fight philosophy, right? And that's basically, if you're on, if you're on top of the person, right? Number one, the first thing is avoid the knockout. You want to, don't get knocked out, all right? Then we want to control and exhaust the, the person. After we control and exhaust the person, then we can look for a submission or go to a, a transition to a better position. If you're on the bottom of the fight, the first thing is we want to avoid the knockout, control and exhaust, and then transition to a better position or look for that submission, okay? And, and we need to understand these principles first and really have those ingrained in our head. Now when we start learning more advanced techniques, it makes more sense. You'll make the right decision to do those more advanced techniques. Cool. So I think you know, we've just been sort of knocking it backwards and forwards for a week or so with, you know, and it's good for them to get kind of you as our instructor to get that kind of, you know, your way of putting it's probably a bit clearer than the way, <laughs> the way we've been going through it on text as well. Because here's, here's the thing, here, here's, here's the thing that, that's really common. Like, um, I've taught, I taught a class one time before and I said, are there any questions? And I had this, this uh, he's a teenager, he's in class, raise his hands, he goes, yeah, I want to learn how to do the flying arm bar. And I'm like, man, this guy wants to learn the flying arm bar. Is there a flying arm bar? Yeah, it's a cool move. But first of all, do you even know the arm bar? Because you can't do a flying arm bar until you know how to do the arm bar. And He's like, well, I've seen it. Okay, well, number one, you have to know it. And even if you know the arm bar, do you know when to use an arm bar and when you shouldn't know it? 
or when you shouldn't do it, I mean. You know, do you, most people, probably the most common mistake I see in jiu-jitsu from white belt to black belt is people look for the submission right away. They're looking for the tap out. They want to tap somebody out. That's their goal. When really their goal should be not to get caught or not to get knocked out. The second goal is let me wear this person down for a while. Let me exhaust them. Let me frustrate them. Now the arm lock comes without even looking for it. It's just handed to you. Now we can talk about an arm bar. You see, showing you an arm bar, much less a flying arm bar, doesn't really mean anything if you don't know how and when to use it. I can give you a hammer or a screwdriver, and that's a cool tool to show off to all your friends. But if you have no idea how to use it or when to use it or when not to use it, it doesn't really matter if you have a hammer or a screwdriver in your, in your toolbox. So it's all about understanding how the tools work, when to use them, when not to use them. And then we can start talking about pulling out the power saw and all these other cool to tools that look and sound cool. You know, but let's, let's figure out how, these all, how all these things work first to make it more successful. Because the whole goal is to last in jujitsu forever. We don't want to be in jujitsu for just five or six years. Like most academies, that's the life expectancy for a lot of, a lot of um, jujitsu guys is five or six years because these gyms are tough and they just want to spar and spar and tap people out. And after a while, you don't tap people out as, as easily as you used to. These guys are coming in, they're younger, stronger, they're watching more videos and they're more and more difficult to catch. So if your goal is to tap people out, you are not going to last in jujitsu very long. Comparatively speaking, to the person who understands the Gracie fight philosophy and survive, protect, understand leverage, explore, and experiment, now you're going to be in jiu-jitsu until you're 80, 90, 92 years old like Grandmaster Elio Gracie. You know, and that, that's our goal. We want to last forever in jiu-jitsu, not just a few years until it's not cool anymore. So which of those uh, elements of the, you know, the, the, the fight cycle interests you the most, Alan? Is it the, the escape? Is it the defend? Is it the, the, the control? <clears throat> submit it's kind of like asking me um what's my favorite jujitsu technique and do you guys know my favorite jujitsu technique right well, not yeah what is it whichever one's right at the right time my favorite submission is the one they give me my favorite escape is the one that's presented to me right my favorite defense is the one that works against the way they're attacking me so ask the question a different way then, Alan. So if, uh, if somebody came to you and said, you know, I'd love to try and understand jujitsu, you know, can you show me a move that kind of typifies jujitsu the best? I mean, what would, what would be your go-to to, to try and give somebody a grasp of, of jujitsu? Would be the defense. Defend. First, I can't, I can't let you knock me out. I can't let you attack me. Okay? That, that's my first thing is defend, defend. Um, being able to imagine... Imagine being able to walk down the street with a bubble around you, a force field, if you will, where nobody could hurt you. That's the most important element of jujitsu is walking down the street with unlimited ammunition and I can just take out bad guys whenever I wanted to. I would rather just them not be able to hurt me as opposed to me having to mow down everybody else. You understand? So, Really if I can let somebody mount on me, my goal is to let anybody in the world mount me and you can't do anything with it. My goal is to put me in your guard and you can't do anything with it. You can't sweep me, can't submit me, can't do anything. That's get, on my, get on my back, choke me, and you can't do it. You know, stand up and try to punch or kick me and you can't knock me out. That's, that's, the, that's the main skill to have now. We're, we're going to spend the rest of our life trying to get there. Okay? But... 
I think, I think that learn to understand um, distance management and understand where you're safe, how to be too far away where people can't punch or kick you and how to be too close where people can't punch or kick you is probably the most valuable thing you're going to learn. Valuable thing you're gonna, you can learn from jujitsu is just how to, is just distance management and how to be patient. You know, don't try to rush anything. Like I said before, the probably the biggest mistake is people, you know, white belt through black belt is they want to try to submit people. I was the same way when I was a white belt after I saw Hoist do his, do his thing in the UFC and UFC one, I would take my Kempo students and try to grapple them. And I would tap them out, of course, because I knew no jujitsu. I was the first one here to even do jujitsu. So I was tapping them out, but I would get mad if it took me longer than I thought it should. If it took me 45 seconds to tap somebody, I'd be like, man, I should be able to do that in 30. They don't know as much as I do. I should be able to tap that person out a lot quicker. So I was totally backwards in my way of thinking when I first started doing jujitsu. Now, I take pride in the fact that it takes me longer to submit people now than it ever did before. And that's because I'm way more patient. I don't even look for the submission. I let them wear themselves out and I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush. So I think the defense mechanism, the defense strategy and mindset that Grandmaster Elio Gracie instilled in his children, which, which of course they instilled it in me, is um, to totally be able to defend yourself and be like, you know, um, I'm, I'm impervious to be able to, to any strikes or attacks or anything. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the mentality you want to try to have with that. When do you think that, um, like at what point do you think that mentality changed for you? What kind of changed that for you and switched that on? Um, I think it was probably, man, I would say it was probably around purple or brown belt when I finally, when I finally understood that concept or I realized that I wasn't really doing that because my mind was on the shiny object, all the cool submissions. And that was the, the new, the cool thing. When really I learned later on that being able to defend yourself and the ultimate submission is just to get somebody to give up, not even to catch them in an arm lock or a choke, just to have somebody say, I'm done. Because really what it boils down to is once you understand what jujitsu is and, and what is it really, you know, if, if you were to walk in the, in the grocery store and some lady sees your shirt and she sees jujitsu on it, like, oh, jujitsu, what is that? Is that like karate? Like what makes jujitsu different than other styles of martial arts? How, how, do, you ex how do you describe that? And the best way, because I've, I've, I've been in that situation many times where people have asked me, and I've had to come up with an explanation of how do you explain jujitsu to somebody who has no martial arts experience. And the best way I've found to explain it is to say it's a style of martial arts where instead of punching or kicking the person, I use weight distribution and positioning to change the person's mind about wanting to fight me. I completely change their minds, like a Jedi mind trick, right? You don't want to fight me anymore. Like, okay, I don't want to fight you anymore. And then you just don't fight. You don't want to fight me. Where, where striking arts, you can punch somebody in the face 50 times right? Break his nose, knock his teeth out, bust his lip, his eyeballs hanging out, whatever. And you didn't necessarily change their mind about wanting to fight you. In fact, they might want to fight you more. But if you put somebody in a, in a submission hold or even just a position, hold them in side mount, hold them in the mount where they can't escape, eventually they're going to give up and say, okay, get off me. I'm done. I don't want to fight anymore. You just change their mind. And that's the ultimate submission is when you tell their mind they don't want to fight you anymore. And that's what makes jujitsu, especially Gracie jujitsu, so much different than other martial arts. You know, I had a guy one time, he was, um, 
he, he, he was a world champion. He was um, just got his black belt. Um, I was black belt at the time. And he came in, he wanted to train with me. So we rolled, we trained, we trained, we went hard, went hard, went hard. And he was coming at me, trying to attack everything. Go, 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 go. And um, firefighter Kai coming in. Right here. Fire, see <laughs> so uh, he came in and he wanted to train. So we rolled, 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 went. And um, he couldn't catch me, couldn't catch me. And then finally he's like, okay, man, I'm, I'm done. I'm gassed out. I'm gassed out. I'm done. I'm like, are you tapping? He goes, no, no, I'm not tapping. I'm just saying I'm gassed out. You know, I'm, I, I got nothing left for you. I'm going to go ahead and take a break. I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. So I didn't let him go. I was like, no, either you tap or you don't. You see, he's like, okay, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I got, I got to take a break. That's a submission. Yeah. Ultimately, mentally, he was finished. Do you understand? Where we have the mentality of you can chop my head off and it's not going to kill me. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going no matter what. I should never push myself to the point where I'm completely gassed out. That is a lack of efficiency, right? Because here's how the, here's how the fight works. Here's how the fight works. Here's you. Here's the bad guy, right? He's bigger, stronger, heavier, more athletic, better looking, everything. This is your energy levels. If you guys both go crazy in a fight trying to beat each other, the smaller person runs out of energy first. The big guy capitalizes. That's just physics. But the secret of jujitsu is that we force the bad guy to use energy at a faster rate while we chill out. Control, control. They burn. We control. They burn. And when they run out of energy, we capitalize. We use an arm lock, a choke, or more importantly, maybe just escape and get out of there. And I still have plenty of energy now to be able to go and do whatever I have to do. So we should never be using more energy than our opponent. If we are, something's wrong. And... Um, you know, that, that's what makes Gracie Jiu-Jitsu so different than even other styles of Jiu-Jitsu because they don't have that, especially if you do sport Jiu-Jitsu. I love sport Jiu-Jitsu. I think it's fun. I used to compete all the time. I've competed in, in um, the Pan Ams. I've competed in world championships. I've competed in little tournaments, no holds barred, did all that stuff. And it's fun. But sport Jiu-Jitsu is completely different than what Elio Gracie developed because in sport Jiu-Jitsu, there's weight classes. There's no weight class on the street. There's time limits. There's no time limits on the street. There's referees. There's no referees on the street. In the tournament, it's go, 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 go. You have to escape now. Go, 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 go. On the street with Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, it's wait, 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 wait. Relax. Calm down. Conserve. Wait. And look for your opportunity. So it's a completely different mindset than what's being taught out there in a lot of Jiu-Jitsu academies. And when you can teach your students to be you know, calmer, relaxed, more patient, efficient, they're going to come out on top in the end. And that's exactly why Grandmaster Elio Gracie right here fought in the longest recorded fight in human history, three hours and 40 minutes. And he was in his 40s. He wasn't, for me yet. He wasn't sprinting for three hours and 40 minutes. I'm telling you, he knew how to conserve his energy. Okay. Versus trying to, you know, destroy the guy right in the beginning and probably losing the fight. So you mentioned the concepts there, Alan, and uh, we've been fortunate enough to talk to people like Alex Ueda and Keith Owen recently, and they both shared kind of a, a you know different you know different concepts that 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 you know that they kind of you know try to deploy when they're when they're rolling when they're sparring. Um, Keith gave a good example of the you know the the, the bad uh, weightlifting. So when you take arms in different directions to normal, Alex spoke about connection. 
Um, I mean, what, what's a, what's a, what's a different concept or something that you think about when you're rolling that you'd, you'd be happy to, to share with the guys? Well, I think, um, I think just probably the, the biggest concept is to try to be happy where you are, both in jujitsu and in life. Most people, if you say, what's your worst position to be put in? What do most beginners say? Bottom of side mount. It's usually what they'll say. They'd rather you mount them than be side mount on them. Mm -hmm. So then once you get out of the side mount, where do you go? It's usually what, maybe put them in the guard. And now what? What do you do when you have somebody in your guard? I try to sweep them. Okay, or submit them, right? Okay, well, what if you sweep them? I get to the mount. Now what? I'm going to try to submit them or take his back. So they're never happy where they are. They're always looking for more. The grass is always greener on the other side no matter what. That's how it is in life, right? We're never happy where No matter how much money you make, you want to make more, right? No matter what house you live in, you want a bigger house. You have this car, you want another car. It's like you're never happy with what you have. So probably the biggest concept I have when I roll is no matter where I am, there's nowhere else in the world I'd rather be than right there right now. If you're on my back, great. I don't want to be anywhere else. I, this is exactly where I want to be, right? I want to be comfortable there. I want my opponent to feel like I want to be here. Because if they think I want to be here, guess what they do? They go somewhere else, you see? And then if, there's, if they pass my guard and their side mount on me, that's exactly where I want to be. I love being on the bottom of side mount. It used to be my worst position. I hated it. And Hickson taught me, if you can learn how to be comfortable in hell, problems don't exist. There are no more problems. Now lay on your back and let me get side mount on you. Is what he told me, right? So he let me down, <laughs> tortured me. <laughs> so, but once I learned how to be comfortable on the bottom of the side mount, even with a person who's 100 pounds heavier than me, there's never a position that I don't want to be in. It's not like, oh, I don't want to be here. Oh, I can't let him, oh, I can't let him pass my guard and get side mount. Oh, I can't let him get on my back. I don't, anywhere, I don't care. I love it. I love, not only don't I mind where, wherever I am, I want to be there. That's probably the biggest, the biggest concept I have when I roll is no matter where I am, that's where Alan wants to be. And when they move, Alan, are you always looking at the, the moment that they're looking to change position? Are you always looking to capitalize at that point in time? Or do you, you know, do you just let them move to the next position and be comfortable there? You know, what, what, are you always looking for the escape as soon as the, the opportunity presents? No, not at all. It, it really depends on who I'm, who I'm training with. What's the reason that we're doing what we're doing? Like, is this a real street fight or is it, are we just rolling? Are we just training in the gym? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, is it a higher rank than me, lower rank than me, whatever, even that doesn't matter sometimes, but um, sometimes I'll use it for, that's my opportunity to work and escape. Other times it's, I wonder where he's gonna go from here. And sometimes it'll surprise you. It's like, oh, I thought he was gonna go there, but he went here instead. I'm glad I know that now. If I tried to escape, I wouldn't have even known that. You see? So sometimes I let them go from one thing to another. Other times I'll try to, try to transition to something else because it might not work. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, what am I gonna do? I wanna know how I'm gonna respond. If, if you go from side mount to knee on belly, maybe I try to escape your side mount in the middle of the transition to knee on belly. Well, if it works, great. I kinda know that in my head, that that, that was a, a, an interesting moment right then. Um, if it doesn't work, does it mean that it wasn't successful? No, because now I'm gonna see how I respond to this knee on belly position I'm in. And let's see where that goes. 
So I don't always use the transition as a go time. Yep. I use it as a, let's see where this goes time. And let's see where this goes might mean me escaping. It might mean he gets the, he gets a free move. I pass my turn. He gets to go to the next move, you know, whatever. I do a little bit of both. And that's what, that's what the whole concept that he teaches, which is to keep it playful. It doesn't mean we just play around and goof around and not take it seriously. No, you can take it seriously and train, but you are not afraid of any position that happens and you're going to, and you'll actually allow things to happen and it be okay. You accept the fact that people are going to pass your guard, be on your back, put chokes on you. I want to see how far into an arm lock I can get before I really have to escape, which means guess what? My students tap me out all the time because I'm constantly challenging myself to see how far into this choke block can I go and really escape. I think I can go a little further. Oh, nope. That, when that guy does that choke, that's the limit right there. I can't let him get that far if I really don't want to get choked because he's going to get me at that point. Does that make sense? And I know so much more about myself because of this as opposed to having to defend everything forever all the time and give, give nothing and take everything. We, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous mentality to have. When do you think, um, again, because it's something that seems to have just naturally cropped up a lot, when do you think the, the point think of concepts where you moved from thinking of just moves to then thinking about concepts as much or do you still think you know how does it sort of balance out for you so um a lot of the other guys have been talking about saying how like now they think much more in concepts and a, you know probably a bit more innovative than just thinking moves which obviously we all do when we first start well i don't think there's really a definitive time where that happens it's kind of like growing you know it's just so gradual over a period of time that you're learning technique, but you're learning philosophy, you're learning concepts, and they're constantly being ingrained if your instructor has those and that's what they're teaching you. So, and, and there's times where I spend more time on others. I'll spend more time on maybe the technique area. I really want to get reps on these arm locks and these chokes. And I'm just thinking about more of the mechanics of the techniques. Then other times I'm thinking more of, you know, concepts that I'm trying to do. And then other times it's more of the philosophy. So I make the correct decisions at the right times. Um, and, and I kind of, you know, you kind of, travel through all three of those areas you know the mechanics the philosophies the strategies and whatnot and the concepts and um and i just kind of explore all of them constantly i don't think there's ever a time where it stops on any of them you know so i don't know if there's really a time that well when did you really realize that this i think it's i think it, i'm ingraining it in my students from day one your first day in my academy i'm already teaching you about not using too much energy you should use more energy than the bad guy i know black belts have never heard that before Right. So my students are getting that from day one. So we're already instilling that type of behavior and that type of mentality and that type of understanding because being a good black belt is not being able to do any move you want on any person you want at any time you want, which is what I used to think it was. I used to think being a good black belt means I can throw a triangle on you. I can put an arm lock on you. I can sweep you. I can escape your mouth at will whenever I want. It doesn't matter what you want to do to me. When I found out down the road that that's incorrect, what makes a good black belt is knowing when to do a certain escape, when to do a certain arm lock, when not to do certain things, making wise decisions at the appropriate times. And that's when, that's when you have a really good understanding of what jiu-jitsu is all about. So I try to instill that to my students right from the beginning. So it's just part of their growth process. There's never a time where it's, okay, now we're gonna make sure you understand this piece. You know, it's, it's just part of, it's just part of, it is jujitsu. That's what Gracie jujitsu is. It's everything. It's, it's in every part of my life. It's really good. 
I, I always remember you know, some of the things you said tonight. I must have heard you say before when we've been talking when you've been in the UK. Because I always feel like you you give me the permission to to do the type of jujitsu that I like to do, um, which is which is to not go after the submissions, which is to just kind of you know you know tough it out and, and see what it's like in there in, in the different positions. Because when I'm training with these two guys, I'm I'm often on the receiving end. So uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 that's important, you know, to do that. I um ideally, but there's also times where I'll take my guys and be like, okay. Today's my day. I'm coming after you, you know, and, and that's when I, that's when I, I'm, I'm going to use, that's my day where I'm looking for every submission I can find. And it's not just to get the submission, but it's to see why certain submissions don't work because I'm trying to hunt them down. Mm -hmm. so I'm, I know as I, if I'm, if I'm going to try to force an arm lock, there may be times where I'm like, man, I'm not getting that arm lock and it's because I'm forcing it. That's good to know. Yeah. It's not that the problem with my arm lock. It's just that that's not the time to do it, or I'm being too obvious about it. I've got to find a slicker way to do this one where they don't see it, maybe. So today's the day where I'm going to be a submission hunter. I'm coming at you. I'm going to tap you as many times as I can during a rolling session. Now, that might mean, it might mean one time. It might mean 20 times. But I'm going to learn about my submissions by doing it. So there's a time and place for that. You know, but you need to understand it has to be with control, and you're not, you don't have to worry about you know, hurting anybody, of course. Um, but you also have to be able to understand that not everything's going to work the way you want it to work either. You know, I may say, I'm going to tap, I'm going to tap Peter out eight times right now in the next rolling session. I only catch him two. Well, did I fail? No, I just learned because that means Peter's defense is getting that much better. And that's amazing. That's great. Now I got to beat that defense, you know? So there's times where you still want to do that. You know, you still want to try to turn it on a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating to see you rolling with you know people because it it just always looks like you're 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 playing with them um just always seems like there is a way out and, and it's 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 inspiring to see because you, you know obviously you realize that there's so many levels to this to this game that that it, it just keeps you hooked keeps you interested but i was i want to ask alan when was the last time you were on the receiving end of something like that when when was the last time you felt like that oh i felt like i was like literally running Oh, yeah. Well, well, when you're on the receiving end where people were almost playing with you, does that still happen? Absolutely. Heron and Henner do it all the time. There's, yeah. I don't care. And you get there with Heron and he, it's, it's, he, just, he just toys with you. And it doesn't matter what jiu-jitsu you know. He's, 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 a, he's a different level, I'm telling you. Yeah, Heron and Henner both. They're, they're different levels. Heron especially is just, man, he's something else. Something else. Yeah. I was lucky enough to train with him once when he was in the UK. And, yeah, he's a... Uh, special character he does the same thing he does the same thing to his own brothers you know so he's just a completely different level like you know the, the other black belts that are amazing my other training partners are black belts that are just like they give me a tough time i watch i just watch heater and go with them and i mean it's like they don't even know anything he the way the stuff he does with them it's like how, how does he make that look so easy so i still see the same thing and i've been doing 26 years you know i still see somebody who's like i'm just watching me blowing my mind i just i can watch every single move you're just watching him do stuff. I'm like, gosh, this guy's a, he's a magician. You know, it's just amazing. So, yeah, it, happen, it happens regularly because I, I roll with those guys regularly and, and that, it happens quite a bit. When I, I love it. I'm like a big smile on my face the whole time. I just I can't get enough of it, you know. You can see that coming through now on the camera. You are, you are alive. <laughs> Thinking about being nearly dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, you, when you say you see stuff that he's doing and you're just kind of amazed, is it... Is it um... Is it the transition? Is it just the kind of flexibility to kind of pop from this to kind of that? What is it that is that kind of step up? 
it's it's certain details that he'll do. I'll see him maybe trap a foot a certain way, or I'll see how he sets the person up. I'll see him do setups all the time on things. And I'm like, oh, I see what he did after the fact. I watch him watch him roll. I'm like, oh, I see what he did right there. I wouldn't have thought about that myself, you know. And I see what he did. And his timing, his timing is just so good, which of course goes with the setup, you know. Okay. And um, that, that's that's pretty much a big part of it is just watching how relaxed and calm he is, but how he'll he'll set he'll set things up. That, that's the thing is he'll he'll force you to make a certain move that he's already waiting for you know <laughs> the, fact that, the fact that i didn't see it beforehand but after you see it it was always so obvious you know so not always so obvious but a lot of times it is and you're like ah oh. but then when you think you're ready to defend that he gets you with something else so you know it's pretty neat do you think that's just like do you think that's with him? Do you think that's nature or nurture or he's got the perfect combo of both or he just, his brain works just that little bit better for jiu-jitsu than everybody else is or? Well, his grandfather was a genius, straight up genius when it came to jiu-jitsu and understanding fighting and, had, and having the mentality of just not quitting. So, you know, he was forged, the iron was forged in a, in a hot, in a hot kiln right there. And that's the, from his family. And he had the best instructors. Well, his dad, you know, Horty and Grace, he's probably one of the best instructors that has ever lived to teach jujitsu. And that was his own father. So he's had the best instruction by the best, with the best training partners and a variety of training. I mean, his family's so big that he had all kinds of training partners to have all at the same time. Not to mention the fact that he's just, his mind is brilliant. You know, he's constantly thinking of new ways. He's trying to think of ways to do it better than his own dad did, you know, that his own uncles did. You know, he's, he's, um, he's understanding jujitsu better than, than the Gracie brothers themselves. To, he's coming to the next, next level. And I'm not going to be surprised if, if their kids, Henry and Hedron's kids, understand it better than they do, you know, as they get older, just because, you know, that's the way, that's the way it's going. So I don't know if that answers the question, really, but there's there, – there's, yeah. There's so many, there's so many reasons that um, he's just another level above, you know. And yeah. you, you, you've always sought out kind of the best instruction, Alan, which is you, know, you, you spoke about, you know, Hickson and and then Pedro Sauer and and obviously with the the Gracie brothers now as well um, at the university. Well, I mean, what is it about those those individuals that kind of drew you to them? apart from the fact that they are the best in the world. I mean, what stands out for each of those for you, if you as a takeaway? First, it was the effectiveness. It was just the effectiveness of, of the system and how they, how they applied it. Um, then it was their, their personalities. You know, they were just very um, magnetic. You know, they, they draw people. They're people. People is what they are. And then their, their teaching ability. Just I respect them as, as instructors. You know, so the um, the practicality they do, the effectiveness of jujitsu, their personalities of who they are, they're very, very confident. You know, very confident what they do, um, which is which is very um, attractive for a student to be able to understand the confidence of their instructor to be able to teach them. But then, but then also the you know their instruction capabilities, just the way they are as instructors, and just how genuine they are, just very, very genuine. You know, there, there's no hidden motives. And um, it's kind of funny because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people, they want to try to knock on the Gracie brothers thinking that, oh, there's that business guys, this, that, and the other. 
and you know, they're just in it for the money or whatever. You hear all this stuff all the time, but these are people that have never trained with them it, probably at all, much less on a regular basis. And if you get to know these guys, I mean, they're, they're so genuine because they're not selling snake oil. They're, what they're selling is a, it's a very real product, you know? And when you believe in something so well, when you're, when, and you have so much passion for something, why don't you want the world to know about it? Why wouldn't, want, why wouldn't you want to sell your product if, if you just believed in it that much? You know, and that's, that's the whole thing is their conviction, their conviction and, um, and their track record just shows, you know, how, how effective it is. That's the thing that, that really attracted me to them. Like you said, I've always, I've always researched the most, the, I'm, I'm always one of the best instructors in the world that I can find. And I'm willing to go all the way out there, you know, and that's what I was doing. I was traveling every three months. I had no money. I would cancel out my, I would close out my bank account, take all the money in my bank account, buy a plane ticket, go out and train for a week. Um, with the Gracies, then come back home for three or four months, practice on my Kempo students, save up more money, and then go back and do it again. I did that for years. And um, I had no money at all, but I was getting instruction from the best, best teachers, from the best product in the world. So it's worth it. It's inspiring. It's great for people to hear, you know, Keith mentioned the similar story, having to travel to train with Master Sauer. You know, you talk about the, you know, the, the, you know, the sacrifices that you've made. Um, we need to remind students that can't get from you know ten minutes down the road to class. I think to uh, you know, just to keep turning up. I don't realize what a good resource they've got. It's not a sacrifice. There's no sacrifices. It's investment. Yeah. It's an investment, and there's a big difference because I didn't suffer anything to get what I got. In my mind, you see what I'm saying. I may not have had money, but I wasn't sad about. It. I didn't complain about it. I didn't think about it. You know, time away from my friends or whatever, I, I went even time away from my family, I knew it was going to be able to benefit my family. So there was no sacrifice in my mind. So that's what's kind of funny when people say, Oh, I'd love to come train at your gym, Alan. I'd love to be there. But it's 20 minutes away. And I'm like, man, that's got to be rough. I know I had to fly away to Los Angeles, California to learn so I can just imagine what it'd be like to drive 20 or 30 minutes to my academy. I feel bad for it. Let me know when you have more time. You know, um, but you know, it, it is, it, it's a matter of priority. It's a matter of if, if, you, if you want something bad enough, you'll do it. And I wanted it bad enough and I still do. And that's why I do it. Can you instill that in people? Can I? Well, have you people, been able to, or is it just, you know, obviously not everybody makes it to the upper ranks, you know? Well, people are going to do what they want to do. That, that's just the bottom line is to it. All I can do is share my passion. I can share my conviction with it. And, um, and, if, and obviously, look at you guys, you're hooked, you're in it, you're in it for life. There's no doubt in my mind, you guys are gonna be in this rest of your life. So yes, I can, and I'm doing it, but it's not really me, it's, it's jujitsu. People are feeling jujitsu, you know? And when they see that and they get hooked on that, I mean, it is what it is. All I can do is share my conviction and share my passion with it, but people are gonna do what they wanna do. I guess it's that uh, kind of idea of just leading by example, isn't it? It's yeah. Like they see your passion then that's kind of uh that kind of brings them along some somewhat right i agree i agree you know practice what you preach and lead by example you know get out there and, and that's as great as we know about jujitsu is you can't hide behind your belt or your gi like a lot of martial arts can a lot of martial arts you can put on that red satin gi and that black belt and just stand there with your arms crossed and stare at somebody and intimidate them and they can only wonder about what you can do and hide behind that rank in jujitsu you have to get out there and and, and do it and that right there that fuels that passion because who doesn't, you know, who does jujitsu, but you don't get excited about it. If you're at a higher level, especially if you've been doing it for a while, 
you know, nobody does jujitsu and they feel like it's mundane. Oh yeah, I've been doing jujitsu for 26 years. And you know, I think it's kind of boring, but I keep doing it anyway. Nobody feels like that. You know what I mean? The more jujitsu you do, the more excited you get about it. And people want that excitement. And then when you show them a move, a simple trap and roll, and they say, oh my gosh, that's amazing. They're already a better person. So on a similar vein, Alan, um, Haldor is, uh, is watching in Iceland. Um, I, think he feels like, I think he feels like it's a bit about time for a Guinness. But um, you know, <laughs> yeah. talking about showing techniques, he, he said, can you tell the story? Because he hasn't heard it for a while about when Professor Sauer was teaching a technique where you, Alan Hopkins, uh, Strack and Jim Kelly never seen the move before. He says it's a good story. He hasn't, he hasn't heard it for a while. We'd love to hear it again. It's, it's actually happened several times. <laughs> he just happened to witness that one. But um, yeah, so Jim Kelly and Matt Strack and Alan Hopkins, um, those are three of my best friends, my training partners, you know, and of course, you know, all, of, all up underneath Pedro Sauer, Master Pedro Sauer, of course, and um, spent many, many years, all of us spent many years, um, those guys even more than me for that matter, because they, they actually lived out in Utah with Master Pedro Sauer uh, training at his academy. So they even had more hours than I did, of course, with Master Pedro Sauer. But anyway, between all of us had many, many hours training with him, many private classes, seminars, group classes, you name it. And um, we were at a seminar where he came in and he's showing, and somebody asked a question, he showed a technique. And it was probably the most amazing technique. I don't even, to be honest, I don't even remember what it was specifically. I don't even remember what it was. It was, it, it was, it was some way to escape the mount or something that was a little different than anything we've seen. But we looked at it and we're like, I've never seen it before. And they go, I never have either. And Alan Hopkins just like, even slammed his belt down for a second. It was like, this is ridiculous. How did I been, how did I live with this guy for 20 years? I've never even seen this move before. You know, and it was, and it was almost, it, obviously not by anger or anything like that. It was almost out of um, admiration. It just, it was like a, it was like a, just blew our minds, just blew our minds that we're sitting here, all of us, all these times we spent, somebody that was like a white belt or blue belt asked the question, Master Pedro Sauer comes up with his answer, demonstrates it, and we all looked at each other like, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And none of us had ever seen the move before. So he's always coming up with different techniques. Every time I train with Master Pedro Sauer, I see something that I've never seen before. I don't know if he makes it up on the spot right then and there. I don't know if he just had it hidden away or if it just wasn't the time to come out or maybe just it works right now on this person. But I can definitely use that move myself. But it, it, it's happened many times. And it's, uh, I can remember that one time, though, he was talking about just because all, all of us were there at the same time. And we were just like, have you ever seen that? No, I've never seen it. How about you? You see, no, I haven't either. How is this even possible? How can none of us all black belts? How can we've never seen this move before? You know, so it's it pretty funny. I'm sure, Harold was happy. He's uh, he's got to hear that one again. So, uh. <laughs> like you say, it's happened happened many times. We talked about it again the other day. That I think the same thing happened in 2012 in Rob and I's first seminar with uh, you and Alan Hopkins and Master, and he did exactly the same thing with a triangle escape. I think. And you, I remember you guys looking at each other and just going, what, what? <laughs> exactly. That was another time. We look at each other. Have you seen it before? He's like, no, I've never seen it. But you're like, no, get over here. Come here, put me in your triangle. I got to do this real quick. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That, that's so inspiring about jujitsu. You see, it never ends. You never learn it all, if you will. You know, it's, it never ends. As long as I live, it's still going to be, it's still going to go on way beyond us. You know, and um, that, that's what's so fun about it. You never learn the, the entire curriculum. Oh, that's all of it. That's it. We're done. No, it's never like that. Nice. It's fantastic. 
I know you said you've got a, a, a an hour. We're kind of running out of time, Alan. Um, but I've uh, had a boost talking to you today, and 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 the enthusiasm has been well and truly topped up for me. So thank you. Well, thank you guys. And um, I know it's late out there, so I, I appreciate that, and I respect the fact you guys stayed up in order to do this. And thanks for working on my schedule on it. Um, it's a little tricky to try to get, but we can get all of it together at the same time. So, um, you know, it's great. I, I'm I'm really honored to be part of the part of the team, part of the family. And um, man, I, I'm just looking so forward to getting back out there with you guys. You guys are doing an amazing job out there. And I tell everybody, you ever get a chance to get out there to England, you know, look you guys up. I say, I know the guys to, to, to check in with for sure. So um, yeah, thank you guys. Alan, you did it just at the start before we, uh, we, we went live on YouTube, but you did the, uh, the superhero reveal, you know, the superpower. It was the Alan Manganello Louisville martial arts. Yeah. Gracie, look, look at that. Hey. superhero is is always representing. <laughs> always representing. It's underneath my work right here. See, I came came straight from work, so I still have my uh, my whole. You still got my my gun on, my badge, everything. I still haven't, I haven't changed for my work clothes yet, so gotta come out here and get this interview done here. So it came up, you know, it was good. It's awesome. Great to hear from you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's good to good to see you, and uh, hopefully it won't be too long before this is all over and. And get back on the mats. Tell you what, people appreciate the seminars even that much more once we get going. This isn't a bad time. People think it's a really bad time right now. I know people are losing jobs and all that kind of stuff, and that, that part's terrible. And I, and I understand that people, of course, are losing their lives because of this virus. You know, but if anything, it's kind of like, um, you know, when you ever go somewhere and you don't have cell phone service for the weekend, and it drives you crazy because you don't have your phone. But then within the first hour or two, you kind of appreciate the fact you don't have your phone and you enjoy everything else that's around you. You know, and, and we're doing that right now with this. You know, there's so many things we can't do that we took for granted before, you know, and now we're being forced to do things, slow things down, spend time with the family. You know, it forces you to stay home and just appreciate more things. And then when it's time to get out and go again, it makes you appreciate how easy it is, you know, how great it would be just to go to a movie, you know, or, you know, just go hang out at the, at the park with your friends and, you know, go do things, get on the mats, of course with our students and get out there, you know, all, all that's going to be, you're going to appreciate it so much more when it's all over with. So I mean, don't think this is negative times at all. This is all great. This is beautiful. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to make us all better because of it. That's just all there is to it. Yeah. Uh, sure. Sure. So uh, we saw the little firefighter walk through the door a little while ago, but, um, you know, crack on and spend some time with, uh, with, with Kai. Oh yeah, he's we've been training all the time. We do jiu-jitsu almost every day, so he loves it. <laughs> awesome, awesome, cool. Well, I'll um, I'll stop it there on YouTube and the recording. So thank you everybody that's been tuned in. I always do this. I go to YouTube and stop it and make a mess of it every time. Every time, technical <laughs> skills are getting no better. Here we go. It's worse when it's later as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll press stop on that now. And then. Yeah, on the recording. Oh.